Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Baseball Together podcast, baseball family. For those of you new to the show, we are here to raise money for the nonprofit organization called Up, whose mission is to give disadvantaged young ball players the equipment they need to play the game we all love. We also want to unite communities by improving or rebuilding baseball facilities in areas suffering economic or environmental hardship. At this time, you can support by purchasing t-shirts and other baseball-related apparel and accessories from 9plusus.com. 10% of all sales go directly to the cause. Again, that's 9plusus.com. That's the number 9 P-L-U-S-U-S dot com. Nine plus us dot com. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Baseball Together podcast brought to you by Nine Plus Us. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baseball Together podcast, Baseball Family. I am Brad and I am joined as usual by Brig. What's up, Baseball Family? All right, we've got a lot of current events that we want to go over that we want to talk about, so let's go ahead and get right into it and get started. Um, the first thing that I I saw this week, and I'm still not entirely sure what to think of it or how to take it, was stealing of first base. Now, this is pretty complex, Brig, um, so let's, let's kind of break this down for people who aren't quite sure how this works. I'm not sure if I'm sure how this works yet, <laughs> even though we've gone through and, and looked at it, talked about it a little bit. Um, so so here's here's the rule right here. Yeah. Okay? Or well, first let's, let's do this. Let's give a little bit of background first. Yeah, let's then, do the context. We'll the rule. Yeah. So, in the Atlantic League, the what we refer to as the circus, the independent league, the guinea pig league. Where, yeah, the guinea pig league, where where uh, Rob Manfred has partnered to basically uh, pilot some rules that he wants to to test out. <laughs> Um, and this was a game between the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs and the Lancaster Lancaster Barnstormers. A couple of solid team names there. Yeah, super solid. Uh, in the uh, in the bottom of the sixth inning, on the first pitch of the of the half inning, the runner took first base, stole the base, stole first base. And I'm not saying that out of context or or oddly, because based on the rule, he straight up. <laughs> Stole first base. Yeah, okay. he did. <laughs> <laughs> now, savage. <clears throat> we'll get into that. Savage. You know. <laughs> yeah, we will. So let's get into the rule here a little bit. Okay. So I have this article up on Yahoo Sports right here that has a kind of a breakdown of the rule. Yeah. So everybody get ready for this. The rule is, this is quoting, the rule is, the batter base runner may steal first base on any pitch not caught in flight. So basically, it's the drop third strike rule widened to seat belt extender size. The defensive play at first base is a force. So that's just like um, that's just like on the drop third strike, same thing. Yeah. Um, the bat the the batter can turn 
into a base runner can run to first. The catcher can throw to first and get him out. It's a force out. So same kind of thing there. And this is where it gets really complicated. <laughs> the batter must have both feet out of the batter's box and have made an affirmative move toward first to be considered in the acts of, act of stealing the base. This is the umpire's judgment. Just what we need. More judgment calls for the, for the home plate umpire. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that was last this... week, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> this this is where I think it gets kind of fun, though. <laughs> Any runners on base are at that point in play as well. Meaning, for example, an existing runner at first may be forced out at second base. Also, the batter base runner must commit before the first defensive player fields the ball. <laughs> so, once the catcher picks up the ball, you can't run. Unless you've committed previous to that. Yes, unless you previously committed to run. Right. So this is kind of a complex rule. And I think if you just think of it this way, basically, wild pitch. Let's go back to a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the All-Star game. I brought up, and I misspoke about the whole Kruk, Randy Johnson thing. Randy Johnson thing. What happened in that situation was Randy Johnson threw the ball over Kruk's head, and then later Larry Walker came up with his, with his helmet flipped around. Yeah. So anyways... Randy Johnson throws the ball over John Crook's head. Ball goes to the backstop because the ball is not caught in flight, correct? Correct. Crook could have run to first base. Correct. Because of that. And that's what happened here was this was a, this was a ball not caught in flight. Guy took off and got on first base. On an 0-1 pitch. Yes. So it, there were it, zero it, balls and one strike. Yeah. <laughs> Got on first base. It wasn't a drop third strike. Let's be clear with that. That yeah. is not a dropped third strike. Nope. It went all the way to the backstop. So, <laughs> guy got on base. So, Brig, <laughs> while I collect my thoughts, <laughs> what do you think about this whole thing? It's madness. <laughs> this is madness. <laughs> I am I am amazed, first of all. Like, shout out to this, this you know, Tony Thomas is his name. This He's the first player in professional baseball history to steal first base. So shout out to Tony Thomas, okay? This go down in history. Yes. This this guy wants to win so bad, right? He's proven himself so mm-hmm. hard that he studied this stupid rule and knew exactly when to implement it and was ready. He was ready. He's like, how am I going to win? How am I going to take this? This rule, how is it going to apply to me, and how am I going to use it to win? That's my kind of guy. I like oh, that yeah, he guy. Even, he even said after the game, he said, I knew at the time of the game we needed base runners. <laughs> I love it. I love Get it. on base, man. Get on base. <laughs> Look, that's all I keep talking about. That's my thing. Oh, just get on base. Both of us, just get on base, yeah. It's a small ball yeah, game, exactly. man, and this is a small ball opportunity. All right, so I love this opportunity that he took advantage of. I do not care about – I don't care for the rule, I should say. I think it's a weird rule. Um, mm-hmm. I I think it'll get implemented like once a million years, right? And this these weird opportunities. But, you know, maybe it'll be heads up baseball. And we'll if it ends up in the major leagues, we'll end up like cheering guys on. I don't know. Get a lot of pass balls in the major leagues. Yeah. And one thing that that is kind of funny about it to me is that um, like it says, if the ball's not caught in flight, so I don't know. It doesn't go into detail if it's like a pat, like straight up pass ball or wild pitch. As far as um, the ball is in the dirt and it gets past the catcher, right? You know. Um, but if the ball is get if the ball gets past the catcher in flight, a lot of the 
backstops now. Like I know in Minnesota, they have like limestone back there. Mm-hmm. And so if the ball's in flight and it hits that, it's going to come right back to the catcher. Pretty quick. So it may seem like a no-brainer to, oh, ball's by the catcher, I'm taking off. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, if that ball comes back, you're toast. Totally. Well, Especially if it gets by and it's 2-0 and now. Like, do you really want to yeah. risk that? <laughs> so it does take a little bit of, of, of thinking on the batter's part. So I think that part is actually kind of cool, but the rule in general is kind of strange. Yeah. No, I think it's just because you're you're ending the at bat prematurely, and it, it it becomes it's so weird. Yeah, it's so weird. But it is another small ball opportunity, and I like that. Look, I'm te- like I've said before, Gary Sanchez circa 2016 and 17, and some of 18, like perfect opportunity to steal first oh, yeah. base against that guy. But at the same time, like the the rule, like you said, the rule doesn't state so. You got a guy who's bouncing them off home plate, maybe a little bit in front of home plate. What does that do, right? Does it yeah. does that negate the yeah. in-flight clause of that rule? I don't know. We we need to call somebody in who's an expert on this stupid rule. That's hilarious. I don't think it's that bad. I just like making fun of it. Yeah, I, I do think it's a strange rule. I think it could add a new wrinkle that could be fun. Yeah. Could you imagine the World Series, the winning run gets on base because of – some crazy wild pitch. You you sold me. That would be something else. I'm now in favor of the rule. <laughs> because I can see <laughs> I can see a speed demon like Brett Gardner or even Jose Altuve, right? These guys are fast and they mm-hmm. could do some serious damage with an opportunity like that. Like really could do damage. And I wonder if it'll bring back the old thing that you, you fake a bunt and you wave the bat in front of the, the plate and then you swipe it back in front of the catcher's face. Yeah. You don't see that much anymore. No. I wonder if it would bring it back. And honestly, as a catcher, I never thought it affected me because I was so focused on the ball anyway. Yeah. But you might you might see it. You so. might. I don't know. I don't know. But that's those are old school uh, techniques that I really like. So I, I don't know. Yeah. This is some hustle. Yeah. From Tony. Um, we're sending Tony a t-shirt. <laughs> I'll find a way to send him a t-shirt. All right. Um, speaking of strange things, and <laughs> mentioned umpires a little Dang. bit. Uh, let's let's talk about this, this. kind of this funny thing that happened this week with Aaron, Aaron Boone. Yeah. Now, I didn't watch the game. Were you watching the game? I know you're a big Yankee Yeah, fan. I was. Did you? Yeah. Okay. So what exactly led to this, this outburst by Aaron Boone? Why don't you give us a little bit of background on that? Basically, a ton of weird strike calls that were outside, outside the zone, mm-hmm. mostly like away, not like not inside, but away. And I saw a diagram the other day. Let me see if I can pull it up. But I saw a diagram that showed his inconsistency at the plate. The the umpire, this this rookie. Yeah. Umpire. Okay, that's good. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up. So the guy made his professional debut, his major league debut as an umpire on April 20th, 2019. So the guy is brand new at this. and He looks brand new, too. He didn't look like he was any older than I am. Nope. (laughs) He probably isn't. But anyway, that's what happened. So lots of chirping from the the Yankee dugout. Um, Aaron Boone, or excuse me, Brett Gardner is up to the plate and gets called third strike that was not even close. I mean, it was abysmal. And it was up and outside. So... So there's chirping. It's actually hilarious. You get online, you can look up Brett Gardner banging his bat against the 
against the, the oh, ceiling yeah. of the yeah. dugout. Yeah, take a look at that because you see Aaron Boone yelling at the umpire and Gardner's in the background just banging his bat against like he's like he's yelling at the upstairs neighbors. Yep, it is so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> that I, was the best part of the whole thing, I thought. That tantrum that Gardner was throwing in the background. <laughs> but Gardner throws some mad tantrums and they're awesome. And he's never without cause, right? Like the one thing about Brett Gardner is it's always justifiable. Not that a tantrum should be justifiable, I guess, but I, he brings this dynamic to the game where of the last <laughs> you know a few months, he's been especially uh, outbursty. He doesn't do it until he gets back to the, to the dugout, but when he gets back there, it's epic. Anyway, so not, not David Ortiz epic yet, but maybe we're headed that way. So that's pretty cool. For those of you who are new to baseball, David Ortiz once made mincemeat out of a call box inside the dugout. And if you haven't seen that video, it's worth maybe four or five iterations of your time. It's fun to watch. Anyway, <laughs> so Aaron Boone gets is chirping. And, you know, again, chirping just means he's throwing calls out at the umpire from the dugout, calling him out, telling him to bear down, telling him to get you know, improve his, his calls in creative ways, tighten it up, tighten it up. Yeah. Tighten up your game. The umpire's name is Brennan Miller. Sorry, we got out yet, but Brennan Miller is the umpire. And eventually (laughs) Brennan Miller, he just tosses Boone. He just, you see him pull his mask off and throws a finger in the air, which is the indication that you're out of here, right? You're gone. So then Aaron Boone, gets it what we call gets his money's worth right and he rushes out of the dugout (laughs) and puts himself directly in front of mr miller's face and uh and starts giving it to him now the transcript is what's especially fun to watch unless you're averse to the f-bomb and then you don't want to watch it (laughs) because aaron boone he uses it a lot but it's so funny because he is saying, he said, he comes out, and I'll just tell you what he said. He said, my guys are effing savages in that effing box, right? And he yelling this at the guy, and he says, and you're having a piece of uh, crap, right? Piece of crap start to this game. I feel bad for you, but effing get better. Say, our guys are effing savages in that box. So he says, tighten it up right now. And it was like this weird almost like if you were ever in the military like I was in the army for a long time you this is like a normal mentorship moment right this is like this is how it goes <laughs> well that's what I thought I was like he's kind of encouraging him right like <laughs> like you're better than this he is yeah yeah you can't or at least you can be right you could be better than and and we expect you to be and you need to be better than this and he's right and you could see the the umpire's face he just he's looking at Boone and he's nodding and he's saying yep yep and you can see he's taking it but he's also agreeing like yeah I'm, you're right I got to tighten this up so that's what happened it was it really was epic but i i think to your point Brad that he he really was encouraging him and he's saying the, he's what he's saying is true. These Yankees men, it's it's like murderers row all over again. And I know we talked about it like it would be last season, but not not like this season. This is we're on pace. These guys are on pace to like shatter last season's home run record. So that's what happened. That's I feel strongly about. It. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to go back to what we were talking about last week, 
Um, and granted, it was entertaining as hell. I'll give you that because I yes. love I loved watching it. I was laughing the whole time. But this whole thing wouldn't have happened if we had a robot umpire back there. So, oh jeez, Brad. <laughs> Look, you're right. But think of the exposure. Think of it. This is good for baseball. I hate to say it. I hate to say that this kind of negativity, if you will, is good for baseball, but it is. Think this has gone viral in, in within minutes this went viral. Okay? It's got thousands and thousands of shares on facebook and twitter and instagram it's all over the place me and everybody else were designing t-shirts around this situation like this is good Mm -hmm. for baseball and with an electronic umpire you don't get situations like this yeah and i want to know how good it really is though like yeah you're designing designing t-shirts around it and it goes viral and everything but on the other hand people are sick and tired of inconsistent officiating Right, of course. You know, NBA fans are going to be like more inconsistent officiating, more favoritism. Why on earth would I switch to baseball? You know, you mm-hmm. get I get enough of that in the NBA. Like my guys never get calls because every every NBA fan feels like their team gets jobbed by the umpires, it's, or by the umpires, yeah, by the do. referees. And if you're trying to convince them to come to baseball, then I don't think I don't think that's really the way to do it. I think if you were to say, yeah, they've got an electronic umpire system. So the strike zone is consistent, and there's no favoritism either way. Oh, that's cool. Mm. You know, I, that's that's how I feel about mm. that. But like I said, it was entertaining as hell to watch because I like Aaron Boone, and that was fantastic. I'll tell you what. One thing one thing people have been saying is is it have if there's ever been any question about whether Aaron Boone is going to back his guys or not, here's your answer, right? But what they don't what it boggles me that people are saying that because we. have we know he backs oh, yeah. his guys like this is just one in a million yeah. for him. He doesn't do it all the time, but it's also not out of character. Right. Yeah. No, I never thought I never had any doubt about him backing his guys. To me, he's always a team guy. I mean, first off, yeah. he's first for, off, first he's a boom, foremost. And second off, I mean, you know, Aaron Boone. I mean, he's a Yankee. He's got that iconic home run in what was that? Oh, three. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, yeah, it was oh, three. He's I, I never, never once. That was never once a question with me as far as him backing up his guys. But it is for some people. I, I think that's strange. Like, I am see it. It is strange. Yeah, I don't know where that comes so from. So, anyway, that's why I brought it up. I thought it was relevant for at least those people out there who are misinformed. Well, think, speaking of uh, strange things, let's, uh, yeah. let's go to this travel schedule business. So, the Astros are not happy with their second half travel schedule. I guess just right. their schedule in general. Um AJ Hinch, manager AJ Hinch, was saying it'll be brutal. It's one of those things that I hope they address in the next CBA. That that's how bad he thinks it is. Let me inject this for those of you that don't know: the CBA is the collective bargaining agreement. That's the the relationship between the players' union, the players' association, and Major League Baseball as a brand. They have to arbitrate the rules and the procedures, you know, dictating the play of the game and the and the strains and, and expectations placed upon the players. So that's what the CBA is. Yes. Yeah. So basically the Astros are not happy about their travel schedule for the second half. And quite frankly, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I don't care what the Houston Astros have to say about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as somebody having lived, grown up in the Pacific Northwest and been a Mariners fan my whole life, uh, you don't have the Seattle Mariners travel schedule, and you never will. Yeah. So, 
you can not complain about what you have because you have uh, the Rangers pretty much down the road from you. Um, and you have Kansas City not far from you. And I understand that's the AL Central, but still, that's hey, man. not too far, right? Yeah. And then um, it's, I mean, it's a little ways to go to go to Anaheim and go to Oakland. Mm-hmm. But nobody, nobody puts more mileage on their plane than the Seattle Mariners in the course of the season. Absolutely true. So I don't want to hear from any team in the major leagues. I don't want to hear anybody complain about their travel schedule. Even if you went to London. Even if you went to <laughs> because London. Because the Mariners exactly. this season went to went to Japan. Okay. Yep. So I exactly. so I'm with you on this. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to hear anybody complain about a travel schedule. Yeah. Because unless you're playing in Seattle, you have no room. Right. No room to talk. Well, do you want to blow a raspberry really quick? <laughs> I is. was waiting for that little exclamation point on the end of your <laughs> argument. This is the only thing it was missing. <laughs> there it is. Okay, so I agree with you, but I agree with you for different reasons. Um, I don't. I care even less. I don't care <laughs> if if you're a Mariners fan and you want to complain about the travel schedule. Like, great, that's fine. I don't want to talk about it. If you. Um, <laughs> it's it's simple i as most fans and i'm talking most fans and you y'all get on the comments and tell me if i'm wrong but most of us aren't even aware that there is wear and tear put on these players by traveling right like it's a product we're be, we're here to be entertained we don't think mm-hmm. that deeply into the behind the scenes stuff most of us and i say us like i obviously think about it a little bit but I would say most fans don't, and I lean on that side. And then on top of that, the, the those of us who do follow that kind of stuff and do understand those nuances still don't care. Most of us. And the reason it, the reason I see it and understand it so much is because I do pay such close attention to the Mariners, and I've seen good, good and pretty good Mariners teams crap out at the same time every single. Well, of course, Be- because of the May. schedule. May or June at the, April. June at the April. latest, it seems like. In a good year, July. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was teasing you. But well, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying good teams. Yeah, good I was teasing teams, you. But few and far in between. <laughs> so it's true, though. It's true. And, and this, this, this second half, sort of mid-second half slump is a legitimate concern. So Denise Cantu, she's part of the group. She says that uh, she's super cynical about this and all she hears is wham, 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 which is very much how I feel. It super sucks, yeah. right? She says it sucks. Yes, absolutely. But okay, she's talking about last year's Chicago Cubs. Okay, they 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 were hosed in their second half schedule when they had to play 41 games in 43 days, which included having to go to Washington, D.C. in the middle of a hurricane. And uh, and then they already had a you know a packed week, and they and they sat through a rain delay. Nope, they didn't sit through a rain delay. They thought they were going to, but they didn't. So lots and lots of complaining. And the the Brewers last season had four or five days off during that same period. Anyway, all of the north side of Chicago, all their fans, they all think that wah wah wah. This is the reason, or at least a contributing part of the reason, that they didn't go further last season. Because of the mm. schedule thing, yeah. So the Astros, who are repeat appearance guys, wham is what she says. Yeah, and I think it's just another reason for people to not cheer for the Astros. So, 
Okay, go. shall we move on? <laughs> Let's move Sorry on. Sorry if we offended all you Astros. Well, if Brad, <laughs> if Brad offended all the Astros fans, I still love you. I still love you. I love you. I just don't love your team. Okay, I still love you and your there's, team. There's a yeah, distinction. There's, okay, there's a distinction. Fine, you absolve yourself however you want. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness sakes. Well, should we take a should we take a quick break before we jump into the the next segment? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's take a quick break. I should probably recover. All right, we'll come back. We'll we'll be back in a minute. <laughs> the designated hitter. The infield fly. A ground rule double. The dropped third strike. To some, these seem like strange things. To you, these are just baseball things. Shop the Baseball Things collection at 9plusus.com. Welcome back, baseball family. Uh, for the next part of this wonderful podcast episode, we are going to talk about the this year's Hall of Fame inductees. And just for those of you that don't know, the there are four members of this year's class. Mm-hmm. We have Edgar Martinez. Yeah. We have Roy Halladay. We have Mike Mussina. And we have Mariano Rivera. Yeah. So That's quite the group. It is quite the group. And don't don't forget with Marion Mariano Rivera, uh, he's the first unanimous inductee ever first yeah ever like think about that for a minute think about the guys who are in the hall of fame who have been there he's the first unanimous ever ever he's the yeah that me that means that everybody who votes said and this is his first year eligible everyone that voted yeah. said yep <laughs> we've been waiting <laughs> there was somebody when ken griffey jr got inducted who said now nah, i'll vote for somebody else yeah there was somebody when Babe Ruth got inducted who said, now nah, vote for somebody else. Ty Cobb. Yeah, Ted Williams. Let that soak in for just the, a minute. The list goes on and on. <laughs> and then look at Mariano Rivera, and everybody said, this guy. That's that's a pretty big deal. It's pretty amazing. Deal. So I'm going to chirp and say the same. Let's start with Mo, okay? Yeah, yeah. Mo, for those of you that don't know Mariano Rivera, his nickname is Mo. Mm-hmm. He's the Sandman. He's the closer. Even guys today recognize that he's the closer. He will forever be the closer. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Yankees fan. He played for the Yankees from 1995 to 2013 for the same ball club, which is mm-hmm. amazing, first of yeah. all. He had 652 saves, which is the most all-time. He has a 0.70 earned run average in 141 postseason innings. Wow. That's the that's lowest That's the lowest ERA, <laughs> yeah, of any pitcher with at least 30 postseason innings on their uh, you know uh, in their record. That's crazy. So it's that insane. means that means that not only do these guys he's being compared to, not only are they the best of the best, 
and they have that much postseason experience, but they also have to have at least 30 innings of postseason experience, which is a lot for a closer. Yeah, for a closer. That's that's the thing. That many innings for a closer. And he maintained a 0.70 ERA. The minimum threshold is 30 innings. He's at 141 postseason innings. Now, he didn't get there himself, obviously. Right. But he sure did a lot with his opportunities once he got there. <laughs> yes, he did. And uh, do you know the story behind his Enter Sandman uh, entrance song? No. I actually heard this uh, today. We're recording on Friday for, for everybody. So I heard this today. I, like, like I've said before, I listened to the Dan Patrick show, so I can't take credit for this research. Um, but I was listening, and they were talking about this. And so what it was was... Um, at the time, Trevor Hoffman had Hell's Bells, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then Derek Jeter and I want to say Paul O'Neill, maybe, maybe not. I can't remember for sure. Uh, but they were kind of going for everybody to have their own walk-up songs. Yeah. And then the, then the marketing team or somebody like the higher-ups said, Mariano Rivera, he needs an entrance song. Yeah. And they suggested, um, I can't remember what it was. What it was they suggested. It was a good one. I can't remember what it was offhand, but it was a good one. And the the guy said, "How about Enter Sandman?" He said, "Well, you're gonna check with them." He said, "No, we'll just we'll just play it." <laughs> and so, because you know, think about it. Like he comes in, good night, it's over. That's oh, it. for sure. And so they played it for the first three games. Like, well, you're gonna are you gonna ask him? They're like, "No, it's going too well. Why would we?" Why would we wreck it now? Yeah. And so it just went and then it just kind of became the thing. And eventually somebody asked him, like, did you pick that? Did you pick that song? He says, no, I don't even know who Metallica is. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I (laughs) saw. That's so funny. It is funny. I saw an interview with him that you can find. You know, he's, he's being interviewed a couple of months ago. I think it was in May, April or May when the announcement was made. So it may have been February, but he gets interviewed uh, on some talk show. And they got the guys from Metallica to record a video congratulating him. And mm. he's like, you know, it's not really my thing. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't really feel like and he said this. He says, I don't really feel like as a Christian, like that kind of music isn't what I should be listening to. <laughs> I was like, What? Did he just say that? I can't now, and I can't believe I'm regurgitating it. It is so shocking to me. But just to to further your point, Brad, he's that far removed from oh yeah from this decision. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. Yeah. He just doesn't even care. So yeah. he was born in Panama City, Panama, mm-hmm. and he grew up playing with a piece of cardboard on his hand. He's this is the inspiration for a lot of what we've started doing here. So. Yeah. He he grew up playing with a piece of cardboard on his hand, and it's just a, a folded up piece of cardboard. He'd slip his hand in through a little slat, a slit that he made in it, and he'd tape it up. And, and you can find this interview. It's incredible. And he held it out, and he folded it up and put it in his pocket, and he said, I was so grateful to have a glove. So you play with a ball or a rock or whatever it is we had, and I always had something to protect my hand. And I was so grateful. I was like, whoa, holy moly. So... So this guy is amazing. Now, one more thing I want to tell you, which is the party line. I'm going to give you the party line, Brad. Do it. 
fewer men in the history of the world have earned have scored an earned run against Mariano Rivera in the postseason than have walked on the moon. Yeah. The numbers are eleven yeah. and eleven and twelve. Think about that. That is that is unreal. Out of 141 postseason innings, only 11 guys have earned a run against him in the postseason, and 12 guys have walked on the moon. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap! I just give me chills every time I think about that. That's something else. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, "Whoa! Hold, hold on, hold yeah. the phone." Yeah. I looked it up, and yeah, that's legit. That is a real thing. Unbelievable. It's, it's special. It is. Yeah. He he's recorded the final out. Of of four World Series, the final out of the World Series four times. What? Who does this? <laughs> Who is this guy that will go down in history as the greatest closer of all time? With one pitch. I know. Two. Well, he had two, but he threw one most of the time. Is that, is that Cutter? Is that Cutter <laughs> though? When I heard about and and let me wrap up on him with this. I heard I heard about that Cutter, and uh, I heard I've heard guys talking about this all week that they say that. You know, I love I love pitching because, like I said before, it, it's so deceptive to the eye. And you know, they used to think that a curveball was an optical illusion, and the, I I think the jury's still out about a rising fastball. Um, we'll get to that another time. Yeah, with the fastball, um, another tease there. Um, but that cutter, guys say, you know what's coming, you know where it's gonna go. But your hands will not cooperate with your brain. There's some kind of disconnect when that pitch is coming in <laughs> that your hands and your bat will not cooperate with what your brain wants them to do. So that's why guys can't hit it. And it's unbelievable. Yeah. Because I, I feel like it, it breaks in a way that is that defies the laws of physics almost is what it feels like. Yeah. Because everything in your brain is like, okay, it's going to be here. And then it's not. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. But it's unbelievable. And the guy, has, he created a career out of it, got to the Hall of Fame, and just, I mean, if you, it just goes to show if you can master a pitch and you can get three guys out at the end of the game when it matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be the best Ab- at it. Absolutely. Yeah. So next on the list, let's go to Roy Halladay, Doc Halladay. Mm-hmm. Played for the Blue Jays and the Phillies. Was with the Blue Jays yeah. from 1998 to 09. And from the Phillies to from 2010 to 2013. Here's another guy. So this whole class, this whole Hall of Fame class, they were all none of them were like were like boom, moving around a lot, and they were all on the mm-hmm. same teams, like one or two teams forever. I love that, yeah. like yeah. franchise guys, you know. Yep. So so Halliday, two time Cy Young Award winner, uh, 2003 and 2010, one of only two pitchers to throw a postseason no hitter. Now that. That is incredible. That's next level to me. Oh my gosh. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't either. What do you? How do you follow it up? That, that's unreal. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to me, that's almost like a mic drop. It know? is. <laughs> Just okay. That's it. I'm done. No more. I don't need to do anything else. I've I've proven what I am to you guys. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's what that feels like to me. Absolutely. Um, one of only six modern era pitchers. With at least 200 wins, he finished at 203, and at least a 650 win percentage, he finished at 659. Yeah, that's something else. Well, and I remember when he was with the Phillies and that that dominant Phillies team, and uh, and they had um, it was Halliday, 
Cliff Lee, Cole Hamels, when those guys were like at their peak. Yeah. And I remember just like, that's like a guaranteed three wins a week. Yeah. Three out of five days, you're winning. And then those other two, you know, you don't know, but you're probably going to get a win or two out of those. Like, how do you even face that? I don't know. I, that That's about, I feel like that's about as dominant as it gets. And it's unfortunate that he was it was in that plane crash and passed well before his time. Yeah. Because this is this was a moment that was waiting for him. Absolutely. Like there's not many guys who are as deserving as him because no, not many guys were as dominant as he was for that long. No, for he sure. He was incredible for a long time. And Toronto when they were not very good. And right. then he was the ace of the staff in Philadelphia. So One more statistic I'll throw at you, and I'm going to start from the bottom of this list, of which he sits atop. Number of complete games thrown in their career okay you ready for, you ready for this yeah okay cc sabathia who's an active player right now sits at number five with 38 complete games next up number four is kurt schilling he has 49 okay number three is livian hernandez with 50 number two is randy johnson with 54 complete games now let that sink in a minute here we have a list with randy johnson's name on it okay <laughs> Well, and that guy was a workhorse, too. Yeah, and he's in number two to Roy yeah. Halladay, who's in number one, with 67 complete games in his career. And he led the league seven years in complete games. Yep. Wow. Yeah, he he was he was something else, that guy. Incredible pitcher. Um, not many starters, I feel like, were more deserving of him because he – and he was, he was an old – a field of his own, like a, a class of his own when he was pitching. Yeah. And yeah, it, I, I hope that they can, they can honor him the way that he, they, the way that he deserves it uh, this weekend. I hope so. And we'll get into what the schedule is in, at the end of this segment, but let's move to Moose. Okay. Mike Musina played for the Orioles from 1991 to 2000. It's a good long time. Then he played with mm-hmm. the Yankees from 01 to 08. Also a good long time. Here are some of the statistics we have on Mike Mussina. 270 wins. That's tied for 33rd most all time. All time. Okay. And is the most by any pitcher who debuted in 1990 or later. So everybody after 1990 has never, has never, never reached 270 wins. Think about that. And I don't know. I don't know how often that's going to happen now either with guys with shorter outings. No. Either. Totally. So, um, well, and, and you think about it, the way that he got there in 1992, that's his first full season. He, he won 18 games, which is crazy. And then he never won fewer than 11. And then his last year in 2008, talked about going out on top at age 39, he won 20 games. Wow. 20 games in 2008. And he never won a Cy Young Award. Can you believe that? I can't because I thought that he did. No. Yeah, no, he never won one. Never won a Cy Young Award. It's mass. It's just crazy. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's guys who I've heard since he got elected who are like, you know, I don't know if Musina is a is a Hall of Famer. I always thought, I always considered him a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason than just watching him. And, and any time that he went up against 
the Mariners or a team that I was watching is like, oh, this is a win for Messina. Yep. I just always consider him automatic. Yeah. Because he is so good. Even in Baltimore, I considered him automatic. First guy since Sandy Koufax to win 20 games in his final season, which was in 08. Like, which is what you said. He won 20 games his final season. Dude's 39 years old. That's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. And still finished, uh, still finished six in the Cy Young voting. I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I that know. was a but, that was a decade of pitching, a couple decades worth of the best yeah. pitching ever. So, uh, still, he was the number four vote on the list this year, and we're glad he's we're glad he's in. Congratulations yep. to him and his family. Okay, let's move on to Edgar Martinez, guy. your guy. I My saved guy. him for Edgar last Martinez. for you. I saved him yeah. for last. Yeah, so Edgar was one of the guys I grew up watching. Loved, loved watching Edgar Martinez. Um, I mean, if you wanted to learn how to learn how to hit, watch Edgar because it's. I mean, I don't know if you can because he's so good at it. The learning how to play basketball, watching Michael Jordan, it's next level. So, Edgar Martinez spent his entire career with the Seattle Mariners. He he debuted in '87 and then retired in 2004. Good long career, um, seven-time All-Star, first-time All-Star in '92, last-time All-Star in '03, at age 40. Wow, a <laughs> good of a hitter. And and you know that's that's really the thing too is it was all hitting because he was always considered kind of not kind of he was always considered a defensive liability, and that's why he was a DH. Yep. Because he was not a great third baseman, um, did not play well there. They stuck him at first base a little bit, still didn't really work out. But, man, the guy could hit. Yeah. The guy could hit. Um, has the biggest hit, the single biggest hit in Seattle Mariners history. Um, double down the left field line to score Griffey from first to beat the Yankees in the ALDS Oh, in my gosh. Would you cut? quit touching my dark <laughs> spot? <laughs> I'm going to bring it up as often as possible <laughs> because it's the best moment in it's Seattle Mariners well, history. And the announcer and called and it. A bigger... What's that? And the announcer called it. Yeah. They were like, the only thing that could happen here is if he goes up the left field line, gets stuck <laughs> in that corner, and then Junior can score from first. And I'm like, shut up. Why would you say and that out exactly loud? That's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Yeah, it absolutely. is the biggest hit in the franchise history, for sure. And until there's something that's bigger and better that happens, I'm going to call back to it every every moment I can. <laughs> So okay, I got to tell you this. What did you have something else you wanted to say? Well, I just wanted. There's a couple that I want to point out as far as batting average because he was a big batting average guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could pretty much count on him getting getting on base. But he was also. A, this is one of the things I loved about Edgar. Is he was a doubles guy too. Big, big time doubles guy. Uh, led the league in doubles in '92 and '95 with 46 and 52 nice. respectively. And those years, he hit three forty three and three fifty six. Wow. So let's put this into perspective a little bit. So Ichiro, right? Was it yeah. was a bat was an average guy. Yeah. But he was a speed guy. My dad always said that Edgar runs like he's mad at the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because he was not he was not fast. <laughs> no, he's a lumberjack. So Ichiro was a speed guy. Yeah, yeah. Ichiro was a speed guy, but but Edgar he'd put the ball right where it needed to be to get a double. Yeah. And that was. And so, like, watching Edgar Martinez and then watching Ichiro, it's like, yeah, he gets on base, but I'd rather have him on second because then he's in scoring position. Like, if you can get a leadoff guy who hit like that with that kind of speed, like, if I could, like, put those two together. Right. 
Hard. That would have been like my perfect player. One two. Yeah, that that would have been awesome. But but now watching Edgar Martinez growing up, that was that was awesome. And and I was really excited when he when he got voted in this year because this was his last year of eligibility on the ballot. Right. This was going to be it. So I and I think the fact that he was such a defensive liability uh, really hurt him with the voting. And there are some voters who are kind of anti DH and yeah and that. And I don't think it. I think if the DH, the outstanding DH award, is named after you, like it is, yeah, you deserve to be in the Hall. <laughs> yeah, let's just throw that Personally. out there. <laughs> so, I'll <laughs> my two cents on that. All right, so check this out. Let's let's put this DH crap to bed, okay? <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna reinforce your point with some statistics from Edgar. Okay, check this out. Of all the guys who ever played baseball, okay, mm-hmm. in professional baseball. Who ended their career with an average over 300 career mm-hmm. and an on-base percentage over 400? Okay, those are those are decent standards on their own. To have a career 300 batting average and a career 400 on-base percentage. Of those players that meet that threshold, there are only 10 guys in MLB history, to include Edgar Martinez, who have. 300 or more home runs in their career, 500 or more doubles, and 1,000 or more walks. There you go. Now, now you think about that, right? <laughs> like that t- that's everything that you just said, <laughs> backed up by <laughs> statistics. Like this guy, yeah. he was the DH guy. He did his job as well as or better than anyone else. We're talking there are 10 guys in the history mm-hmm. of the game with numbers as good as his. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't why it took him so long to get in the hall. I have no idea. And here's another stat that we talked about some that is incredibly, you know, is relevant now that people use a lot is OPS. Yeah. Ready for his career OPS? Oh my gosh. 933. Oh my gosh, career? How about that? Career OPS of 933. Oh my gosh. Yep. <sighs> I got to yeah, shake that so... off a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. So this is fun for us. This is the be- this is the most fun I've had in an, at a Hall of Fame induct- induction ceremony until next year. Now, I said that right. <laughs> I said that right. Until next year. Because it just gets more and more fun every it, year because it's guys that we grew up with. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. We Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why. Well, and next year is going to be something magical. It'll be the second unanimous yeah, vote ever. It could be not to, it very not well to take be. anything away from Mo. Absolutely, uh, and he, right. you know, it, well deserved being the first unanimous ever. But it, but there there will be another one next season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, there will be. I know who it is too. I'm, I know who you're talking. About. I got the guys on on speed dial. We're talking about it already. <laughs> Me and the Baseball Writers Association of America. <laughs> stuff in the ballot. <laughs> don't need to stuff this ballot. <laughs> No, 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 you don't. But yeah, this no. is this is this is getting more and more fun for us because these are the guys we grew up watching, and they're our heroes, you know. And now our heroes yeah. get into the Hall of Fame. So we hope you enjoyed watching the ceremonies yesterday. Uh, it, it, you know, in case you weren't sure, it was started at one thirty p.m. And uh, there you go. It was it was beautiful. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it for us this week. Let's uh, let's keep this one a little bit shorter. 
because we are coming at you on Thursday with another half episode. Very special half episode. It is special. So be sure to check us out Thursday. It'll be it'll be available for you same time Thursday morning. Same bat time, different bat day. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> be excited. We're going to we're bringing you something super special that uh we've never seen before and you yeah. don't even know how to handle. I can hear it. I can hear it all the That's way through right. the speakers. <laughs> on a delay. <laughs> See the shock on your face. But <laughs> But don't forget, uh, everything we do is to go is supporting charity. So we are working hard to get baseball equipment into the hands of kids uh, all across America who cannot otherwise afford the opportunity to play baseball. They don't have cleats, they don't have gloves, they don't have whatever it is. And we are, it is our mission to make sure that kids have the opportunity to play the game that we all love. You can make a donation right now. By shopping at shop.9plusus.com. Everybody wins. Kids get baseball equipment. You get an awesome t-shirt or hat. And mm-hmm. uh, check out the designs. We have new team-specific color designs on the shop now. Um, you can search through the catalog under the Big City Series. And then search for the team location. Boston, Minnesota, Anaheim, Texas, etc. Yeah. Bron- and then for you New York fans, search under Bronx and Queens. That's how that works. Yeah, that's right. And the great thing about those design those designs specifically is that they are the same as the podcast logo. So not only are you supporting Nine Plus Us, um, you're also supporting kids getting baseball equipment, but you're also supporting the podcast, and we appreciate that. So in addition to that, make sure that you like, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we appreciate reviews. Let us know how we're doing. And we've got another mailbag episode coming up. So if you have anything you want us to talk about, any questions for us, whether it's about baseball, personally, otherwise, whatever, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is either. Go ahead and send it our way and we'll answer it. We'll talk about it and we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So thanks again for joining us this week, baseball family, and we will catch you on Thursday. Thursday.